Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists in Cedar Falls, Iowa, and I'm your host, Kat Bean Hansen. Welcome. We're glad you're here. For this week's message, which was originally given on April 4th, 2021, Pastor Emma Peterson delivers a message called A Pandemic Rebirth, a UU Easter Sermon. Good morning. It is Easter Sunday, April 4th, 2021. It is Resurrection Day in the Christian calendar, perhaps the most joyful day of the Christian liturgical year. For Unitarian Universalists, this holiday is the one we're most likely to ignore entirely. Easter is like many things are for Unitarian Universalists, complicated and also deeply personal. Easter is both complicated and deeply personal for me, but mostly it's an opportunity to talk about Jesus. I really, really like Jesus, and so I appreciate the two times a year, Easter and Christmas, that a UU minister is most likely to get away without too much criticism with raving about how awesome Jesus Christ was. This Easter is especially meaningful because it falls only a month past a year of pandemic life when vaccination rollouts are beginning to gain steam and more and more of us are finding our freedom and safety increased as we re-enter the world with immunity. Christian churches all over the world are preaching the resurrection this year, and I'm willing to bet many UU churches are too. We are experiencing a collective resurrection unlike anything experienced in our lifetimes. And so as spring makes herself known here again in Iowa, many of us are feeling the fresh energy of being reborn. Spring is often the theme of UU Easter sermons, celebrating the return of life as winter fades away and the sun feels closer to our skin. When the rains come to wash away the chill and the wet earth shakes its shoulders and pushes up new blades of grass. How we all begin to seek out signs of ever warming weather, noting robins in our front yard, or if you live in my neighborhood, the arrival of new feral cats seeking different territory in which to summer in. Spring is akin to resurrection and it is indeed physical And so it's a natural way for a UU to reflect on the meaning of Easter. I've watched the fervor at which we've welcomed spring this year. There is a certain kind of mania when life turns itself back on again. We've got some energy for the first time in what feels like forever, and many of us are venturing out much farther than we've gone in over a year's time. This spring feels especially intense, and I'd caution all of us to be gentle with ourselves. Spring, though resilient and hardy, is also fragile. Baby birds and new budding plants are just waking up, as are we. Best return to life gradually while taking time to rest. I am one of the quiet minority, though I'm not particularly quiet, for whom Easter carries deep meaning. 
I've had a funny back and forth with the resurrection since I began to reflect theologically. As a teenager, it gave me a firm grasp from which to reject Christianity. I didn't believe in the resurrection, therefore I couldn't be a Christian. As I've gotten older, I've come back around to the possibility that Jesus Christ really did rise from the dead. The earliest written description comes from Paul, writing to the Corinthians in chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. I told you the most important part of the message exactly as it was told to me. That part is that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then, then to all of the apostles, and at last he appeared to me, even though I am like someone who was born at the wrong time. I have believed so many impossible things in my life. I've witnessed miracles and coincidences aplenty. I'm a person who prides myself on my open mind and my willingness to believe that all things are possible. I believe something happened to the followers of Jesus Christ on that first Easter morning. I believe that he was dead on Friday and then something profound enough occurred that it lifted the despair of his disciples and loved ones away, completely changing their perspective on the death of their beloved Jesus. From there followed a social movement so powerful, we're still celebrating and discussing it 2,000 years after it purportedly occurred. I understand that for some of us, the implausibility of the resurrection is why we don't consider ourselves to be Christian. But I believe in tarot cards and astrology and dinosaurs and the planets and the solar system and reincarnation and democracy and lottery tickets and airplanes, all things which seem wildly implausible, if not downright impossible. I've witnessed so much resurrection in my own life and in the lives of people I care about. And so it seems only fair that I buy into this one too. I hope you all can forgive me. This week, the trial of Derek Chauvin began. Chauvin, the white police officer charged with murder for taking the life of George Floyd, the black man on whom Chauvin pressed his knee into his neck for over nine minutes, eventually killing him, despite the crowd of people around them, pleading with Chauvin to stop strangling the life out of Floyd. Despite George Floyd himself pleading that he couldn't breathe, despite George calling out for the comfort of his mother in the final moments of his life. It is fitting that this trial falls on the week of Easter. It is fitting because when I think of George Floyd, I can't help but think of Jesus. Jesus Christ and George Floyd were both willfully murdered by the state and the state was implicit in their murders crucified, strangled, and crushed in public, both catalytic martyrs in sweeping social change that followed. 
There has never been a white police officer successfully charged and convicted of murder of a black person in Minneapolis. But the testimonies in this case are so compelling, speaking truth to power, while the defense team attempts to turn the focus from Chauvin's unrelenting knee towards the swear words shouted from the crowd, begging him to show any mercy. Asking multiple witnesses to attest that they cursed out Chauvin as he refused to listen to them, as if their rage at the murder they were helplessly watching a police officer commit in broad daylight was the problem. I listened to the trial and I can't help but think about Jesus Christ. Our rage at the system is dangerous to the system. The force of our collective demands for justice are hugely powerful. They are so powerful, they just might work. The trial of Derek Chauvin has the potential to impact the justice system profoundly forever. The upswelling of the Black Lives Matter movement in the wake of George Floyd's murder pushed for accountability from the powers that be and justice for whom they had abused. The death of George Floyd has the potential to be so powerful it dismantles the white supremacist system designed to oppress and kill Black people who dare to exist within it. And isn't that a resurrection? Isn't that what it means to give one's life as a ransom for many? The state has murdered Jesus Christ a million times since the state first murdered Jesus Christ. But we learn in the story of the resurrection that justice and mercy are more powerful than any fascist, murderous state could ever be. The moral arc of the universe, as King reminds us, is long, but it bends towards justice. And that is why we are still celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ all these thousands of years later. Because we as humankind instinctively understand that the systems we create are death dealing and that true new life comes only when we tear down what kills us and rebuild that which gives us all life. One of the most powerful aspects of the resurrection story is the physical damage done to Jesus's body in the process of crucifixion. His hands pinned above his head, dislocating his shoulders, nails pounded into his hands and feet, his ankles likely broken in the process, nails in his side damaging his internal organs, his naked body exposed to the elements. Jesus dies in one of the most imaginably brutal ways, and his body is still broken when he returns to life three days later. He is not healed in the resurrection. Indeed, days after he rises from, from the dead, he appears to his disciples. Thomas, one of the 12 who was not present when Jesus first appeared to them, is urged by Jesus to touch his wounds. John 20, 24 through 27 writes, 
Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. People tend to focus on the fact of Thomas's doubt, but as a Unitarian Universalist, I think a certain amount of skepticism is a healthy thing. Yes, it's a healthy thing, even though I believe in psychics. I am much more interested in the brokenness of Jesus's body. Resurrection does not heal the fact of the crucifixion. Jesus was tortured and mutilated in his death. And when he rises from the dead, his body remembers its brokenness. He comes back from the dead, but he remembers his death. I think about the way the body keeps the score, the way it remembers what happens to us, even if our minds forget. I think about that on Easter of 2021 as we collectively experience our own resurrection. We are being flushed with new life, the world opening back up to us with the rush of joy and excitement that all of that contains. But in the midst of it, we need to remember what we have experienced in this last year, and we need to balance healing with our, all of our celebrating and our return to the work. And we need to remember, too, that our bodies also remember the before times, before we ever knew what COVID was. I cringe every time I hear someone say they can't wait for things to get back to normal because what was considered normal was not always good, and I have no intention of returning to those times. Our country is a capitalistic fever dream, and we are the cogs in the machine. Previous to COVID, there was an, un there was an unspoken expectation in certain work environments that a person who was sick would show up for work. Once, when I was a waitress, I came down with strep throat and pink eye in the same weekend. I was a waitress in the morning and I had recently started working at a daycare, which is basically just a place where all of the germs that ever were is. And so I called in on that Saturday morning and my boss insisted I show up for my shift. Show up, I was told, or never show up again. And so I did. And three days later, the chef had pink eye too. And that was considered normal. In the before times, people were restricted from working from home and virtual attendance was considered a luxury for only the very few. I'll tell you what, there are millions of people in this country who will never be willing to work in an office again. Our world in the midst of COVID has become more accessible for so many people. It was, for many of us, our first glimpse into what a work-life balance might feel like. The body remembers. 
and the body keeps the score. So let's pace ourselves and let's really think about about what we have no desire to ever return to. And so on this Easter morning, I think about the body and the way it keeps the score. I think about George Floyd and I think about Jesus Christ. I think about the millions of martyred people, the George Floyds and the Jesus Christs of our human story who are murdered because they are a threat to the state and in their death, they become more powerful and speak truth to power in a way that resurrects and yes, saves us all. I think about the hope and the possibility of resurrection, what it can mean for all of us after this year of being in the tomb. I think about putting down that which no longer serves me and focusing my energy on what is most life-giving. I think about the resurrection and what it means in my own life. I think about how, in so far only 33 years of living, the same age that Jesus Christ was when he died, how I have been personally resurrected many times over. How finding Unitarian Universalism was a kind of resurrection because I had left the church that raised me and was like a lost sheep needing to be shepherded home. How the diversity of thought within our faith is a gift because I was shamed and chastised when I expressed divergent theological beliefs as a cradle Methodist. Because a Unitarian Universalist can believe in dinosaurs and reincarnation and Jesus all at once, if that's what makes sense to them. And I think about all of you and how I hope we never ever need to spend another Easter apart from one another again. My prayer for you this Easter is that you experience the life-giving force of resurrection in your own life, whether that means a vaccine and an opportunity to hug your family for the first time in over a year, or a freshly planted garden, or something else entirely. May we all be transformed and born again in our personal and collective resurrection. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Christ is born, Christ is risen. Amen. This has been the Sunday Messages podcast from Cedar Valley Unitarian Universalists. The music is by Nathan Moore. If you want to learn more about the CVUU, visit our website at www.cedarvalleyuu.org. And you can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at Cedar Valley UU. We welcome visitors to attend our online services on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you'd like to learn more about joining us for a service, send us an email at cvuupodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.